You are listening to the official podcast of the hardest working culture, the American Allegiance Podcast. This podcast was formed to give you what our education system fails to, real life lessons that we have experienced and battled with that you can learn from and apply. There are no ads, no sponsors, no bullshit. All we ask is that if you enjoyed an episode, share it with a hardworking friend. Let's fucking go. Oh, the bigger the bill, the harder you fall. Well, I'm throwing mine, cause my money long. The quicker you're here, the faster you go. That's why where I come from, the only thing What's up, guys? This is the American Allegiance Podcast, home of the hardest working culture. I'm your host, Nick Welsh, and remember... We don't have problems, we just have more work to do. Today is December 6th, and we have a good episode for you guys today on leadership that I believe you're going to get a lot of value out of. I think we've got a lot of points to talk to. Um, I don't know how long this is going to go because we're coming at it from a lot of different angles, but we're going to try to cover as much as we can in about an hour, and uh, I would expect a part two to this episode just because there's so much to go off of. Yeah, without a doubt. Um, I'm joined by my co-host here, Eric Big Behinds Hines. What's going on, everyone? What is up? It's beginning to look a lot <laughs> like Christmas. It is. We put the tree up, and we got some Christmas decorations in the house here. Yeah, that consumed most of our day yesterday, but it's it's well worth it to get in the spirit. That's right. That's right. It just makes me happy, you know? Yeah. Like it's so hard. To not be happy when you've got Christmas decorations and music playing. And even with everything going on, I just feel a lot more positive with this type of shit in my life and yeah. coming home too. Yeah, it's a nice, warm, cozy feeling. It's definitely different when you're not at home. Every year that I've been away from home, it's a little bit different. But that's the beautiful thing is each year it's a little bit different spin or style on like my take on Christmas. And uh, I think the only thing we're missing here is the cold weather. Like, I just can't get down <laughs> with Christmas when it's still 70 degrees yeah. in, on a Tuesday. No, I feel you there. Like, I don't know. We haven't had snow yet this year. Really haven't had snow at all in the last two years here in Virginia. <laughs> and uh, I miss it. That's where we're <laughs> polar opposites. Nick loves the cold. I moved down from Ohio, so I obviously am very happy to have the the less harsh winters, but Nick almost wants that to come down here. So absolutely, well, I moved from Ohio too. What's that saying? <laughs> I, don't I still know. love the cold. <laughs> Must be something about the area. Yeah, I don't know. Let's get into the talk though. We're talking about leadership today, and uh, I'm looking forward to this because yeah. this is something that I strive to develop every single day. It's something that I've learned a lot about over the last three years on my personal development journey. Um, I've read a lot of books on leadership. I've listened to a lot of podcasts on leadership and it kind of humbles me to be able to give a podcast on leadership now for you guys to listen to. Um, I don't know if you guys consider me a leader or not, but it's just, it's a cool position to be in to kind of take what I've learned and take what I know over the last couple of years and regurgitate that information based on my experiences. And that's what this is. This is based on our experiences, yeah. not so much that it's the right way to lead or the wrong way to lead. It's just what we've learned and what we feel has worked over time. And maybe you guys can apply it and see if it works for you. Yeah. Everybody leads differently at the end of the day. But, you know, there are certain things that you can do to maximize your leadership skills and, you know, constantly develop yourself as a strong leader. 
um, in the eyes of your peers and everybody else around you, regardless of if it's a it's a a job that you're being a leader or within your family or mm-hmm. you know there's different. A leader is just such a, a broad term to describe a person. I think some people associate it too much with business, but really being a leader means being a leader in all areas of your life. Yeah, let's go ahead and define it, at least from our perspectives, what we think the word leadership means, and then we can go from there. Yeah, I think that's a great place to start. Eric and I both kind of developed our own definitions of leadership, and uh, we'll kind of talk about that. So how I define leadership is... So it's two parts, right? It's helping people develop their full potential, but it's also maximizing the success of the organization. So I wrote out the definition as acting in a manner that develops, helps others reach their full potential in order to maximize the success of the organization. So I think of it in two separate ways. And I think this is where we differentiate leadership from management because in my eyes, management is strictly the mission, and that's all you're focusing on is getting that mission accomplished. But the difference between that and leadership is you're developing your subordinates or you're developing the people around you that are working with you on that mission to maximize their own individual potential, which naturally is going to develop the success of that mission. Mm-hmm. So it's two parts, and I think you know, speaking from – uh, my perspective and just the job that I'm in, I see a lot of difference. I see a lot of managers uh, on, on police departments specifically, and I think we lack a lot of leaders because of that second part that I kind of talk about, which is developing your your troops and making sure that those guys and girls are developing their th- themselves. Um, and I think that's truly what makes a leader great is when you have the ability to not only get the mission done um, and get it done well, but also make sure that your troops are good and those people are also personally developing themselves in that process. Yeah, you're looking at every aspect of the mission, of the goal, and you're trying to bolster every individual aspect of it, whether it be the people on the team, the people of the organization. You can get as granular or as large in scope as you want, and Nick and I are going to talk about that in a sec is micro versus macro but yeah this just this comes from you know years of nick and i reading books listening to podcasts like he had mentioned so our definitions aren't you know the one true right definition but it's definitely a a a culmination of all the things that we've learned and then also from our experiences like that's the most a practical application you can have is all of the experience that we've had in the leadership space and in in uh, in developing ourselves as leaders, what does that mean? So for me, I define it as selflessly building other leaders and people while maintaining the integrity and completion of the mission. So Nick said organization. I think his definition and, and mine are very similar. I think the word organization itself can be replaced with the mission, the company, the team. Like I said, as small and as specific as you want it to be, that's how you apply leadership is you're focusing on every aspect of the overall goal and you're building all of that up to its maximum potential. And I think when you're talking in the context of leadership, 
people kind of lose grasp of that. They may be focusing on one specific thing over another. And that's when you start to slip as a leader. And we're going to kind of touch on all these different traits, um, you know, of a leader that make a good balance in the overall run. Yeah, the word organization, I think it's kind of just a general term to, to that you can replace with any situation that you're in. You know, I kind of, I, I think of it in terms of the job. So when I hear the word organization, I think of within your company or mm-hmm. whoever you're working for, that's what you're trying to accomplish. But leadership applies to all areas of your life. It applies to your family. And you can replace the word organization with the success of your family or the, the success of your marriage. And you have to be able to pinpoint those those small things that you need to do to develop yourself and make sure that your kids or the people in your household are taking note of your actions as opposed to just telling people what to do and you know leadership really comes from actions it, it, it's how people perceive you and not so much you telling people what to do you know we talk about the difference between a leader and a boss a boss is someone who gives orders or delegates tasks, and then as soon as that mission is accomplished, you don't hear from them again. They go back into their box, and it's more of just a title. But a leader is take is just taking the small steps, those actions at the small levels, and you're doing and you're you're using your example, you're setting that example, and people watch that and they mock that and they say, okay, that's successful. That person's doing that well. I want to be like that. And then they follow your lead, essentially. Yeah. Um, So I guess this is the part where I'm going to introduce a book that we're going to talk about today. Although we are covering leadership, and guys, like we said, there's going to be a part two, three, four. This is a subject matter that you can tackle from so many different angles. And there's a lot of really good perspective from the industry leaders out there. Um, but one of them in particular, I want to highlight, this is a book that you guys absolutely have to get your hands on. It's one that both Nick and I have read from the first page to the last, and it's been instrumental in the growth of our leadership. So there's a individual named Jocko Willink and Jocko is a retired Navy SEAL, um, and Navy SEAL officer. Uh, he served, um, in SEAL team three. And he is one of the he is one of the leaders in the leadership space today. He's written many books with some of his compadres from the SEAL teams. Um, one of them being Leif Babin. Uh, they both own a company together known as Echelon Front that gives leadership consulting to you know major businesses and corporations all the way down to basically anybody that can afford them because these guys are top notch. And he's written several books. And so this book that I want to talk about today with Nick and with all of you is called Leadership Strategies and Tactics. It is the fourth book that Jocko has released. This is technically his second, what he calls the the field manual. In other words, this is a book that although we want you guys to read from the front to back, it can be used as a reference. You don't need to be able to go through and read this to its entirety to get maximum value. You can be using it as a reference point, as a field manual, if you will, while you're working through leadership strategies and tactics. So 
I can say that I've referred back to this book a handful of times. Like I read it once from front to back, but there's been a handful of situations that I've been like, okay, uh, I'm struggling with this certain aspect of my job or whatever. And I remember that Jocko had referenced some sort of situation. So the way he lays this book, this book out is great because it's, it's basically laid out. He gives a scenario, right? And he describes, uh, a mission that he experienced while um, while working with the seals, and he follows that up with the lesson. So it's it's the example, it's the scenario, and then it's the lesson. So you can go back and you can apply that. You could replace that scenario with any type of scenario that you've got going on in your life. You just refer back to the specific chapter or whatever topic that you're struggling with, and you refer back to that. As, as something that you can work on. And I've done that a handful of times, and this book is just, it's it's a great resource to have. I keep it pretty close to me at all given times, yeah. especially working on the police department. It's something that, honestly, I feel every sergeant and above should be required to read this book uh, before being promoted, just because it's been that helpful, and I, I can apply so many things to the job just based off of reading this. Yeah, I agree. I can attest to it as well. Um, I like to have it on my person when I'm at work and just be able to, you not publicly, but in private reference back to stuff when I'm dealing with certain scenarios. And if there's anything positive that comes out of war or um, being in warlike situations while you're in the military, the beautiful thing about that is that that is the most exaggerated and amplified version of life. You guys are never going to, I hope you never experience situations where making a decision as a leader leads to the life or death of one of your brothers or sisters. So, you know, we're usually just talking about, like Nick said, in the context of work or your relationship on your home front with your spouse or with your boyfriend or girlfriend or with your family members. So it's extremely manageable and there's really no excuse, but let's jump right into it. I've marked out some pages in here that I wanted to reference in particular I'm not going to go through the whole book. Um, I don't want to spoil it for you guys. Um, But with that being said, you guys are going to find that just in me covering the points that I've covered, there's still such a multitude of takeaways from this book that we're not going to touch on that can still be absorbed. And we're just going to go over stuff high level. So first thing I wanted to start off with was Jocko has very easily simplified what he refers to as the laws of combat, which are four tactics that he utilizes within leadership to get shit done. Those are as follow. Cover and move, simple, prioritize and execute, and decentralize command. Now, Without going into great detail about those four, I'm sure you can guess what those are about. But um, just like the second point, simple. Most all, if not all of the policies and scenarios that you'll find in this book break it down to a certain level of simplicity that anybody can understand, whether you're a leader or not. Or in the military or not. Yeah. And... It's crucial to remember that because as a leader, the most important thing that you can do is give clear, simple, and concise direction and expectation to your team members and to your unit. 
I'm going to use a lot of military terms just because of the, you know, how this book is tailored, but it's applicable to everything. You can think of it as, you know, the unit, as your family or as your team at work. Um, and he talks about both sides of the coin, too. It's not just about if you're already in a leadership position. It's about also if you're about to assume a leadership position or you're the subordinate in this case and you have a leader of a certain type, whether they're good or bad. And he talks about all of that, which is awesome. Um, but cover and move, for example. So he brings up a scenario where him and the SEALs are doing a field training exercise or an FTX. But on this particular FTX, various elements were not able um, to cover for one another at all. So they couldn't utilize cover and move in this particular instance. So on top of that, one of the larger elements got bogged down in confronting multiple problems in a large main building of the target. They're being shot at with paintballs from multiple directions, and some of the men had already been wounded. There were multiple innocent civilians scared and screaming for help, and the leader did not know where all his men were. So he didn't want to exit the building for fear of leaving someone behind. So he's painting the picture of this crazy, chaotic scenario where guys are getting shot at. He doesn't know where all his guys are. People are screaming and yelling. You know, it's chaos. So Jocko's there. He says he stood watching the leader. He was trying to get his wounded men tended to. He was trying to get a good head count. He was trying to get control of the civilians. And lastly, he was trying to figure out where his element was getting shot at from. Now, this seems logical, right? He's, you know, tackling all the problems. Wrong. What he didn't seem to realize was that if he didn't stop the enemy from shooting at him, if he didn't win that firefight or at least suppress the enemy fire, none of his problems were going to matter because they would all be dead. He kept trying to do too many things simultaneously and by trying to do everything, he was accomplishing nothing. He needed to figure out his biggest priority problem and execute a plan to fix that problem before moving into the next one. He needed to, as I stated, as the third law of combat, prioritize and execute. And I think that summarizes beautifully a scenario and then what the practical application is. How many times do you guys get a loaded plate of shit and without prioritizing what stuff you need to get done in a certain order, you start to tackle all of it. And by doing everything at once, you're actually not getting anything done. You're moving everything to 10% and then to 20% as opposed to bringing something to 100 and then going to the next one, bringing it to 100. I mean, how many times do you see that w within your scope of work, Nick? It happens all the time. And I mean, with a job that we have to multitask constantly. You think about just taking a simple a simple task like driving to a case. And while you're driving to that case, you have to operate the computer. You have to talk on the radio. You have to update your responding units, what's happening as it's progressing. You have to keep giving your location. You have to pay attention to traffic in front of you. So while we're doing all these things at one time, we're not doing any specific thing really well. We're just giving 10% to each instance mm -hmm. and not doing a great job so basically what Jocko is talking about here is we need to break down the mission into a step-by-step -step process 
one, two, three, four, five, you tackle one, and you don't move on to two until one is done. And you constantly do that, but every step of the way, you're giving 100% toward that step. And that's what he's talking about when you're prioritizing your your commands. Um, And you can apply this to every other aspect of your life as well. It's the same thing. If you've got a bunch of shit on your plate to do for December, uh, or if you've got a, let's, let's take a workout for instance. Okay. You've got a workout that's got five different exercises. You've got five different exercises to go. And you know, that's probably going to take you about 60 minutes long. So what are you doing? You're trying to hurry up your sets so you can get your workout done faster. Well, you have to basically take your first workout and all you should be focused on, or take your first exercise, all you should be focused on is that exercise at that time. It shouldn't be the other distractions that you have going on. It shouldn't be the next exercise, which is lat pulldowns. You should be focused on your first task at hand. Yeah, the one you, you're currently on. And you don't move on until the five sets are done of that exercise, and they're done to the highest standard possible. You're not half-assing it. You're not hurrying it. You know, you're not taking three minutes in between sets texting on your phone or doing whatever Mm -hmm. because that sets the tone for the rest of the mission or the rest of the workout in this case. So when you move on, you've already taken that momentum or that lack thereof to the next exercise and you're not getting things done at 100%. And that's where people fail so much as a leader. They don't prioritize. They give half-ass effort. They try to multitask too many things at one time and it's not an effective way of leading or doing the job in general. Yeah. And, you know, going back to leadership from a general level, one of the most important and key principles about leadership is balance. And Jocko, his second book that he wrote with Leif Babin is called Dichotomy of Leadership, which describes opposing forces that are pulling leaders in contradictory directions at the same time. You're always going to have, you know, the yin and the yang. So any trait, technique, or attitude can easily go too far in one direction or the other. To lead properly, a leader must be balanced. For example, leaders must talk, but if they talk too much, they overwhelm their subordinates with information. On the other hand, if they talk too little, the troops aren't properly informed. So the leader has to balance between talking too much and talking too little. A leader must be aggressive, but if they're too aggressive, They might expose themselves to unnecessary risk. Contrarily, if they are not aggressive enough, they they won't make any progress. So once again, a leader has to be balanced. This list of dichotomies goes on indefinitely, and the answer is always that a leader must maintain balance. And you're never going to find that perfect level of balance because you're going to find when you start doing these tasks and operating as a leader the scale is always tipping one way or the other. So I'm going to talk about this in terms of micromanagement versus macro management. Okay. In the police force, we have different levels of supervisors. We have supervisors that are very hands-on and we have supervisors that are very hands-off and we have people that like to be involved in everything so much so as they, they like to know your location at every single time. They like to be updated on the case every 10, 15 minutes. Hey, give me a call. Let me know what's going on. Then you have other supervisors that don't give a shit what you're doing. They don't take the initiative to even make contact with you. And they basically feel like if there's an issue, that person's going to call me and that's how we're going to handle it. Okay. To be an effective leader, you have to find the perfect middle ground because no 
officer or employee likes that supervisor that is so hands-on that they feel like they they can't do the job themselves and that supervisor doesn't have trust in them at all at the same token you can't be so hands-off that you're removed from the mission and you're removed from your employees to the point where people think they could get away with shit they could fuck off and the supervisor's not gonna not gonna give a shit so it's finding that balance guys it's communicating when we talk about leadership we talk about effective communication but like eric said not too much communication so you're not giving all this intel at once you're leaving the expectations just as they are and you are leaving it at that and then if you see a problem which you're 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 constantly in that situation you're monitoring that situation but you're not necessarily communicating what the issues are until after that person has maybe failed something then you communicate this is what we could do better but you give that employee that that opportunity to prove themselves or succeed or fail at that mission so it shows them where they stand but it also shows that level of trust that you do trust that person to get that job done on their self by themselves and if it doesn't happen then you course correct as the the mission progresses yeah well believe it or not there are those rare cases where, I mean, first of all, we know that not everybody's a leader, right? And so when we have these individuals who we are leading or are in a position where a leader is either micromanaging them or being too hands off, there are certain people that thrive off of, well, not necessarily, I take that back, not thrive, but need micromanagement in order mm-hmm. to operate. Or they need somebody hands-off. Like there's that level of trust automatically. But again, it goes back to what you're saying is as a leader, it's your job and your principle to be able to identify that and to utilize that to its maximum potential. If you are not able to adapt and understand where your subordinate sits as far as what management style best suits their personality and their work ethic then as a leader you're not doing your full job responsibility yeah you have to have a good sense of awareness as a leader you have to know how people operate and what suits their needs and when you're when you're taking on the role of a leader of a squad of people that's where it's most important to be so aware and be able to focus on certain how people react to how you're leading them and how they're taking on individual roles and course correct accordingly because everybody is led differently and not everybody wants to be a leader but this is where my definition of leadership comes in you know great leaders don't just worry about the mission at hand but they also worry about developing their troops in the leaders leaders create other leaders they don't just have followers and i think you know when we talk about being a leader, you just assume that there's this list of people below them. But really, the leader is the bottom guy. And you're taking all the people that are following you and trying to have them in a position where they could take your job, essentially. They should be so well-versed in the job that they're doing that you should be able to hand over the task. You should be able to call on them at any given time and have the trust that they could take care of the job if you weren't there. And that's what a great leader does is building your entire team of people up to that point, to that level of trust that they are in themselves a leader. So there's a point in this book where Jocko talks about the concept of being born into leadership or being made a leader. 
and it's I'm just going to read this excerpt. It's a really good one, and it's a pretty large read, but I feel like you guys are going to take a ton of value out of this. So, obviously, it's an age-old question. Are leaders born or made? Well, the answer is both. Let's start by looking at what people are born with. Obviously, everyone is born with strengths and weaknesses in different areas. Physical attributes are obvious. Some people are taller. Some people are shorter. Some are naturally stronger, some more flexible. Some are born with explosive, fast twitch muscles and others with high endurance, slow twitch muscle. Physical training can certainly improve the physical capabilities of any individual. Working out with weights makes people stronger. Running improves their stamina. Stretching improves flexibility, so on and so forth. But people are born with and limited by their own genetic makeup. Their characteristics and their limitations play out clearly in sports and in physical competitions. We can try to reach our genetic potential and perhaps push slightly beyond that, but eventually we are confined by our DNA. People are also born with different cognitive capabilities. Sure, with training, they can maximize their intellectual capabilities, but there will be a limit. No amount of studying can turn a person of average intelligence into Einstein. By learning, studying, and drilling can improve someone's ability to think. The more a person reads, the better they can contextualize things in the world. The more a person studies language, the better their vocabulary becomes. The more a person asks questions, practices figuring out answers, and trains their ability to think, the better they will be able to think. So just as a person can improve their physical capabilities, a person can improve their intellectual competence until they reach their limits of their genomes. Same is true with leadership characteristics. There are certain traits a human being can be born with that are beneficial for leadership. Being articulate is one. The better a person can communicate, like Nick talked about before, their ideas in a simple, clear manner the more effective a leader they will be. And some people are born more naturally articulate than others. So that's the born piece of being born or made as a leader. And I think that's a perfect synopsis because it basically says, look, you can have these traits from birth, but there is a limit. You're limited to what you can acquire. Yeah, and I, so that argument, I I feel like, you should automatically take it as you're born at zero. You're you're born with no leadership capabilities because, you know, some people might think they're a great leader, but oftentimes those are the people that are overlooking what they're really not good at. So three years ago when I started my personal development journey and, you know, I thought I never assumed that I was a leader. I never considered myself one. I thought I was a bad communicator. Um, but I, I had to identify those weaknesses before I worked on them. And I did things out of my comfort zone that helped my communication skills and essentially helped my leadership skills as well. I started just using my actions as my examples. I started coming on my Instagram stories and just talking to people because I knew that that was something that I needed to work on because I didn't feel like I communicated well or directly. Um, in my relationship, on my job, and just, you know, I didn't put my words together a lot. And uh, that's some, that's another reason why I wanted to start this podcast was because as much as I like to give 
content and lessons that I've learned, it also gives me an opportunity to work on myself and my communication skills. Something that I realized yesterday, we were having a conversation, me, Eric, and another friend of ours, is this podcast has made me such a better communicator uh, outside of the podcast and just in general conversations. I almost think about it. Yeah, me too. Every conversation that I have with a person, I think about one, what if I was talking to, you know, 200 people and the record button was on and how would I react to that question or how would I answer that? And that's how I approach every conversation now so that I could leave that person walking away like, wow, that was, that, that person was really into the conversation. He was really paying attention to what I was saying. Mm-hmm. He was really articulate with his words and that this po- this podcast and me just speaking for an hour or whatever has taught me to do that and become an effective communicator. So part of becoming a leader is doing things that you know you identify as weaknesses and you constantly put yourself in these positions to improve and do things that you normally wouldn't do. And people are going to notice that. People are going to become aware of that and naturally like, okay, that person put himself in that position and he was he's a completely different person now than he was three years ago because of that. And they see those actions, they see that physical evidence of that transformation, and that's essentially what makes you a leader. It's not just talking about doing something. It's not just telling somebody what to do. It's just putting yourself in those positions that you normally wouldn't do and leading by example. Yeah, and in theory, by leaving the impression that you did with that one person that you had a conversation with and clearly communicating purposefully and intentionally what you wanted to get across you you in theory are are talking to 200 people because that one person is going to have such an impact from that conversation that they're going to go tell all their friends and then they're all their friends are going to tell about that conversation and it's going to spread like wildfire yeah it it leaves a lasting impression and i've talked to so many people that are really good communicators and after i have a conversation with somebody like that I leave that conversation like, man, I want to be able to communicate like that. I want to be able to articulate my points like that and have emphasis on certain words or uh, just be so knowledgeable that in the moment when you're having that conversation, mm-hmm. you can spill those beans and, you know, have the facts to back it up. And, you know, I, I think about that when I leave conversations with people that are really effective communicators or speakers on stage or something like that. So I think about, I want to be in that position. How can I do that? And it's, it's failing first, right? It's be, it's not being afraid to, you know, be shitty at something so that you can be better. And that's how I feel with this podcast. That's how I feel about speaking to other people on my stories and whatnot. I know that I was bad when I started. I know there's things that I could still work on and constantly correct, but I'm not going to get better unless I do it and I'm, I'm not afraid to fail at it. Yeah, it, you can equate it just like to the gym analogy. You're putting in the reps. And you're flexing your conversation muscles every single time you're having one and you're only getting stronger. You're adapting and you're understanding from like the particular points that maybe you look back on reflection and be like, man, you know, I probably said um too much or I drew out what I was saying too long and I think the person already got the point that I was trying to get across. Little things like that. I mean, you're just going to constantly improve over time. And it's not to say just like in the gym, you're going to have those failures when you go for that PR, but that doesn't mean that you're not going to be able to achieve or surpass that goal later on down the road after you've gone back and gone to the drawing board and done, you know, those more recovery based workouts or have those lighter, 
less firm conversations and then you kind of build up over time from there. But I think this is a perfect segue into as a leader, you have to have a continuous improvement mindset. Just like Nick said, you start from zero, regardless of whether you're born with these skills as a leader, um, which many people are and are very fortunate to have that. But honestly, those people take that shit for granted and they don't improve their weaknesses or even the strengths in that matter. So when you're a leader, you have to have the mentality that you're starting from zero and that you can improve in really every area because not only is that true, but it's only going to continue to make you a better human being and a leader in the process. So there's this part um, out of this chapter in the book where Jocko basically says um, that there's quantifiable ways for leaders to improve their natural leadership characteristics, but it would be unrealistic to think that a leader can go from a low level in any category to an exceptional level, just as it would be unrealistic to turn a world champion marathon runner into an Olympic champion weightlifter. The genes just aren't there. So with that comes the realism of, number one, it's not an overnight process. And number two, you have to be realistic with the leadership skills that you've already obtained over the your years of experience and what you were born with. And you have to work within that space. Just because you have these weaknesses as a leader, which we'll go on to talk about further in this book, you can utilize your team that has the strengths of your weaknesses to your advantage. That's the premise of being a leader is utilizing your team's strengths to your weaknesses to get the mission done to the utmost and utter potential that you can. Yeah, I would say being a leader, one of the biggest characteristics of being a leader is just taking the initiative in seeing where certain people excel and instead of trying to take all that on yourself, delegate that task to the person that's really good at doing that and let them be the leader in that field. And they're going to appreciate that so much more because it gives them a little bit of responsibility. It makes them feel important, like they're in charge of something. So it improves their leadership skills, but it also looks good to the team as a whole from the outside looking in that you are allowing that person to do that instead of trying to be the micromanager that just takes on another tasks and you know tells another person to do something even though you're not that great at it. The mission's not going to be accomplished as good as it could be by you doing that as opposed to delegating that task to the person that excels in that area. So you're improving the mission, but you're also improving leadership skills within your team and it gives a better impression from the outside looking in. So on episode three and four, Nick and I actually brought up a leadership point that rings true to this episode that you guys, we recommend if you haven't listened to those episodes, go back and reflect. One's on relationships. Another one is staying accountable through the holidays, but there's a piece in there we talk about having conversations and being grateful with you know, the situations and the circumstances that you have. Maybe you have some ruffled feathers with a member of the family and how you approach the conversation and change the tides of that relationship is by having um, you know, a good, a positive attitude going into it. But one of the toughest things and biggest parts of being a leader is having the tough conversations and giving the hard truths. And what Jocko explains here is that in, in summary is that 
the same is true when it comes to communicating with individuals. Don't wait to have hard conversations. They only get harder. Whether it's a subordinate, a superior, a peer, or a client, waiting to discuss a difficult issue will not make the issue any less difficult. Attack it. So just like we talked about where maybe the entire year you've had, um, you know, a, a, a tough relationship with somebody in your family or a friend and you haven't talked to them in a while or the last time you guys talked, you left it on a bad note. Get in front of it immediately. Don't wait to be sitting around the Thanksgiving or Christmas dinner table to have that combo. Get in front of it or else it's going to be worse. And just like we had just mentioned moments ago, you're going to be flexing that muscle of having those tough combos that you're only going to be better at fostering the relationships and mending the relationships you have now in the future because of getting in front of it and having those conversations now. Yeah, that's a great point. I'm going to relate this back to The Last Dance. And uh, The Last Dance is a great series. The Chicago Bulls, 90, uh, going through the 90s when they're winning their championships. And it focuses uh, pretty much solely on Michael Jordan and his leadership skills and how he developed the rest of the team to become leaders and ultimately was the reason why they were so successful. Um, one of the reasons that Jordan was such a good leader was because he was not afraid to not be liked. And I just think that's an admirable quality to have in a leader because you're putting the ultimate goal of the mission, in his case, the championship after championship after championship in front of the personal vendetta that you might have with that person. And I think so many people are afraid to have those confrontations because they're worried about that person hating them or thinking about, uh, what the result of that conversation might be, that they constantly put these conversations off, or sometimes they never have them at all. But you have to not be afraid to to not be liked, or you have yeah you have to be afraid. You have to not be afraid to not be liked, and in return you're going to be loved in the long run because. People are going to appreciate that little conversation. They're going to understand where you were coming from when the mission was accomplished at the end. In that case, the championship. Everybody won the championship, right? Everybody won. And it was at that moment that they realized this is why Jordan honed in on it. This is why he was an asshole to me. And it all made sense at that point. But most people are not going to recognize those things until after the mission is accomplished. So you always have to have that mission in the long you know, the long view and put that ahead of the little tension or the little conversation that you're afraid of having in that moment. I think that's a huge characteristic that leaders have to have in order to be effective and successful. Yeah, MJ was the epitome of leadership. Um, I mean, you just look at that guy's life story and his career within the scope of basketball and even really outside of that. And he, the guy just embodied... He was someone who is certainly a natural-born leader, but never stopped working on improving his leadership. Just like Nick's talking about, he was not afraid to get in, get dirty, you know, do the uncomfortable shit that the team didn't always want to do, um, whether it was the long minutes in the games or doing the practices over and over again or the drills or what have you. He was showing that he wasn't above 
um, anyone by doing that, by making sure that he was setting the standard and the expectations with what the team needed to bring themselves up to to meet to where he was performing at. And it's a constant striving to be better that you want a leader to embody because that's what you want to bring out of the troops is a continuous improvement mindset and mentality. And that's exactly what he did. He brought that type of energy in straight from the get-go. Like when he was drafted within the first year, he wanted to be the guy that took the big shot. And he wasn't focused on anybody else at that point. He was focused on his shit and leading by example, which was the example that he was setting by putting in the reps, by staying over after practice, by working all night, by you know increasing the intensity of the practice. And everybody saw that, and immediately they transitioned to his level of intensity. And he brought the entire team up to his energy, and that's what a great leader does is – you know, has the ability to uh, influence other people's actions just by their own actions, and he did that. And in the process, you know, he wasn't afraid of what people thought of him. Even being a young guy and a new guy into the league, um, he built that reputation from day one, and he never let up. And, you know, if you're transitioning into a leadership role right now or you're thinking about transitioning one day, you've got to start setting that example within yourself how can i bring the intensity of the people around me to my level well it starts with you it starts with you owning your shit and acting at a 100 percent standard and you got to be realistic not everybody's going to live up to that 100 percent standard but if you bring everybody up to 85 percent, guess what that's a hell of a lot better than when you weren't operating at any standard whatsoever mm-hmm. so it's realizing your own faults it's realizing what you have to do to improve yourself and how you can influence the people around you up to that standard. I love this part of the book. We go back and we talk about analogies. This is one that Jocko brings up. He talks about the leader being a woodworker. And he says, this requires a leader to be like a fine woodworker, a craftsman who can shape wood into useful objects with a wide range of materials. He or she has to know not only what tools to use, but also how those tools vary when being used on different types of wood and the different types of wood being, you know, the people that you're leading. Different types of wood require the application of different tools, just as different types of people require different tools of leadership. But it does not end there. Individual pieces of wood have their own unique characteristics. They have knots and splits and twists that must be handled correctly lest they ruin the final product. Because of this, the woodworker cannot merely understand that different tools are required for different types of wood. He or she must know the various tools must be applied in distinctive ways to overcome the infinite amount of -of one-of-a-kind pieces of wood that exist. And I think (laughs) that perfectly summarizes what dealing with leadership is and being a leader because of all the variables at hand you have the different pieces of wood i.e the different personalities and then you have all the little idiosyncrasies like how they prefer to be managed and how they how their work ethic is and the list goes on infinitely and just being able to know all of those complexities doesn't necessarily mean as a leader that you need to understand them 
but you need to know how to utilize them just like the tools as a woodworker. And I think that is super impactful. Yeah, that's a great analogy. I love that part of the book. And it just goes to show that being a leader is one of the most difficult jobs that there is because there's so many variables and everybody learns differently. And having the ability to, one, recognize that, but also adapt to that and influence people based off the way that they learn, I mean, that's it's it takes time. It's not going to happen overnight. And it starts with your actions, but you have to realize how people learn as well. And there's just there's so many variables in that case. So that's a great analogy. Um, I mean, guys, you got to understand that leadership is going to be very lonely because not a lot of people excel at this area of their life. And you have to understand that when you separate yourself from the pack and you become a leader and an exceptional one at that, you're standing on a platform that not a lot of people do and people don't often like that, you know, because people are so used to being at their level and being mediocre that when somebody else steps above that, it's really hard to resonate with that. So it's going to be very lonely, You're especially when you're starting and you're changing a lot of your habits and developing yourself into one. People are going to recognize that and they're not necessarily going to relate to it. So your job as a leader is to focus on you at that point, focus on your own actions, and eventually over time motivate people to be on that same standard. And that's what makes that's what makes a leader great is using your actions to influence people to, to move up the chain to your standard that when they never thought that was possible, they were always operating at a mediocre level. But you're motivating them to move up. And if you can influence people to do that while maintaining your actions, that makes you a great leader in my mind. Absolutely. Guys, this goes without saying, if you haven't taken notes during this episode, uh, I highly recommend that you go back, re-listen, take some notes. I've got one more takeaway from you from the book. Like I said, I prefaced you know, this book review that I wasn't going to touch on every single highlight that Nick and I had because, number one, there's so much information in here that can be utilized that we would be ending up talking for like three plus hours. But also, we want you guys to enjoy this book. We don't want to ruin that experience for you. We still want you to go out and get Leadership Strategies and Tactics by Jocko and invest in yourself and increase your knowledge beyond just listening to the American Allegiance podcast and consume the right content. That's the main goal here. But the one takeaway um, that I want to close with here is Jocko did a really nice job in part of the book in summarizing um, four key principles of leadership that you could utilize um, at any stage of the game and be effective. And they go like this. One, come up with a plan. Two, give simple, clear, and concise direction. Three, stay humble, take input, and listen. And four, lead. If you follow through with all four of those things, the rest will come naturally. You will envelop and grow as a person, as a leader, and that stuff is going to show. Just like Nick said at the beginning, it's defined by how the people underneath you perceive you as a leader, not by how you think of yourself. And so I think with that, we can jump right into the questions. 
We had some really good questions this week. Uh, I want to give a shout out to Shane McKinnon. Um, really good dude. If you're not following Shane, you should be. He's one of the hardest workers I know. The guy has got a booming business right now in small seed. And, um, well, Eric's going to tag both of those both of those pages on the podcast here in a second. But, yeah, really good dude. Shane, I appreciate the questions, and they're really relevant to this episode and a lot of the things that we've talked about. So Eric's going to read off a few of these. I'm going to combine it into, like, one answer and how I view leadership. And uh, we'll see what you guys think of that. Yeah, for sure. Thanks, Shane. Um, so Shane asked uh, – uh, it's really uh, four – different questions and i think we covered a a good bit of this on here but we're going to dive into it a little bit deeper um so shane is at s-h-a-n-e mckinnon is m-a-c-k-i-n-n-o-n and also if you guys wouldn't mind also follow his business him and his wife own a small seed they do an awesome job making super delicious vegan protein bars um, and they're a small business and small businesses that have really great leadership in Shane and his wife really need your support now more than ever. So please give them a follow on IG and Shane, thanks again for your question. So he asks, um, you know, discussing the difference between a dictator and an actual leader, meaning those who forced to act and those who act out of respect and appreciation. And then he goes on, he also wants us to kind of touch on the importance of telling people what to do and teaching them to do it before you tell and what the difference between a leader who leads others and leaders who build leaders. So this kind of touches on what I was talking about at the beginning of the podcast, but I want to specifically note the difference between a leader and a boss. And I think this is going to answer Shane's question. A boss is someone who basically just focuses on the task at hand, and once that mission is done, they go back into their cave, and they're not concerned about anything other than that task or that mission. And that differentiates from a leader because a leader is someone who, one, wants to maximize the result, the task at hand, but also build up his subordinates and the the entire team to a certain level. So when we're talking about leadership, we're talking about excelling as a team and not just focused on that one mission and we're talking talking about the difference between telling people what to do and teaching people what to do so after that mission's complete regardless of whether it was successful or not your job as a leader is then to look back at what went right and what went wrong address each member of that team have a debrief have a personal conversation with these people and explain what could have been done better every mission no matter how successful it is or was, there's always learning points that you can go back and pinpoint and correct so that when something arises again, you're prepared for that next thing. And that's what we talk about being a leader is a constantly evolving position. Mm-hmm. It's it's no different than a specific mission at hand. And I again, I'm going to relate this back to the police department. You know, we respond to a case. There's so many different ways that that case can Uh, can conclude or the result may be different every single time so being a good leader is being having the ability to look at the result and debrief what happened look at the 
the possible ways that that could have happened in a different way that didn't happen that time and prepare for it for the next time. And you give that message throughout the entire team so that we're all on the same page and we can all attack that next mission the same way. So a boss doesn't do that, right? A boss just, okay, mission accomplished, check in the box, you move on to the next thing. No debrief, no uh, word of mouth communication between the team and yourself. You're not really focused on developing anybody else but yourself. And being a leader is putting the team and everybody else ahead of you so that if you were to step away from that position, anybody else on your team could step into that position and do the job just as well as you're doing it right now. Yeah, I think the biggest difference, in my opinion, between a leader and really all those terms, a dictator, a boss, a manager is ego. It really comes down to ego because as a leader, you know that detaching from your ego as much as possible and and not necessarily being emotionless, but not having emotionally driven decisions in your leadership practices is crucial. A manager, a dictator, a boss is going to get too caught up and too high on giving orders. Whereas a leader, as Nick and I have discussed time and time again, is going to want to bolster an individual's growth through the the assigning of tasks and what have you. They don't necessarily get a high off of giving orders because they're in a leadership position. They get a high from seeing that person or individual on the team grow or the team as a whole while still completing the mission. Whereas, you know, a manager, a boss, a dictator is really going to only care about the bottom line at the very end of the day. Did the mission get done? Is everything on budget and schedule? And did you follow my orders? As opposed to what were the takeaways that you had? What were the growth experiences that you had? Were you able to add this to your resume type of thing? Thinking selflessly and from that angle constantly is what defines a leader. So I think that was an awesome question. And we got another one. Uh, There's one more point I want to give before we move on to the next question. And that is... You know, I think a leader deliberately contributes to the mission as well, whereas a boss stands back and expects the team to do all the work for oh, that 100%, person. Yeah. A leader, we always say, leads from the front. So we've all seen that meme, right? That picture where the leader's the front guy in the pack and he's pulling the troops along, but he's the front guy. He's on the battleground, whereas the boss is the guy that stands back and he's given orders and the rest of the team is in front doing the work. If you're a leader... You're doing the you're doing the same amount of effort and the same amount of work that the team is doing, if not more. And it's that example that's setting the tone for the rest of the team. You're not telling the team to do anything that you haven't done already or aren't currently doing yourself. So you're actively putting yourself in that position. You're being involved. You're setting the tone for that mission. Then afterwards, you're gathering all the troops together and you're, you're, you're pinpointing, this is what we did well, this is what we didn't do well, this is what we need to do to make sure this happens even better next time. Question number two. <laughs> My bad, man. I didn't mean to cut you off in your no point. No problem. Um, so actually, uh, Kira Summers, she got her second question on the show. So congrats, Kira. Thanks for constantly supporting the podcast the brand and being interactive give, yeah and being being very engaging. like a lot of you motherfuckers <laughs> <laughs> calling them out nobody specifically yeah <laughs> 
but uh but a lot of you motherfuckers <laughs> <laughs> uh kira's at kiki souffle i pronounced it incorrectly last time maybe because there wasn't an accent on the e at the end but uh she asked can you talk about how people can be a leader without being in a leadership role or job and i i think i'll head this one because that's a that's a great question hey it's your podcast i'm just living it (laughs) (laughs) all right i'll take the closing statement motherfucker (laughs) derek's world i'm just living it (laughs) just drink your whiskey Mm -hmm. you fucker (laughs) (laughs) the answer to your question kira is uh yes this is absolutely possible and the best way that you can go about doing this is these leadership principles are not biased to whether you're in a leadership role or not. As soon as you start applying those leadership um, and the people that work around you, your coworkers are going to take notice to these being implemented into your routine. And uh, much like how, when you implement stuff in your personal life and your personal routine, how bettering yourself on that aspect outside of work also transcends and blends into your work life as well. The same goes for leadership. Even though you may not be in a leadership role, by applying leadership principles, people are going to take notice and you're going to start becoming known as a leader amongst your peers, even if your current leader doesn't take notice of that or maybe they don't have their ego in check and they see that you're starting to become a leader as you're developing these principles and they want to keep that in check, that's a good sign. Even though that's a negative thing that can come out of it, that's how you know you're doing something right because you're enveloping yourself as a leader even though you may not be in that position and it's going to have an effect and an impact on the rest of the team from a beneficial perspective in the long run. I would argue that you have to become a leader in a role that's not a leadership role to be effective in a leadership role. Facts. You have to do that. You can't just transition all of a sudden into a leadership role or be a supervisor and be really good at it without having to be a leader in the small things, the small tasks. Everybody knows that one employee or that one person that they work with that just does an awesome job that's not in a supervisory role. And they do that by their example. So you should, it doesn't matter if you're the smallest person on the totem pole or the top person, you can take that task that you're responsible for and you could do it so well that everybody else notices it and raise the standard of the team just based off of that. You don't have to be delegating tasks. You don't have to be telling people what to do. You're just giving your example off, giving your energy off to the rest of the team and making the team rise to that standard and that, that, that equation. A leader doesn't need to have people reporting to them to be a leader. You're exactly right. I mean, you can create a leadership position in what you do now, even if there isn't one. Just by assuming those principles and those roles, you can be, you know, the cutting edge leader in your department. And, and may not even have anybody reporting to you. Yeah, everybody could be a leader in their life. There's so many different areas of life to become a leader in, and it it's not a title. It, it's not a title that you give yourself. It's one that is earned for your peers. The bigger the-